to Pavant Guard. I'm Andrea Gazetta. I'm Katrina Davis. And I'm Jordan Lee Williams. And this is the news on the tens and twos. (laughs) (laughs) Traffic on the 405 today is out of control. We just sounded very weathery today. In Uh, news, a massive flood predicted in California. (laughs) Have you guys heard about the monsoon? I'm sorry. That is such an off topic. They're saying there's a monsoon headed for California that is the size of uh, the Central Valley. I heard. Where is it going to go? I don't remember. My mom just kind of yells apocalyptic shit at me and then fucking forgets that that's what she's talking about. Mine too. Don't let them mention any part of California in My anything. Mom. I'm going to get a Google doc, like a link about it. My yeah. parents will send me like news for Northern. There's like, there's a fire in Northern Cal. I'm like, that is hundreds of miles that's away from me. Humble it's County, not even mom. close to my house. <laughs> So today we're covering an artist that I had never heard of before until Dr. James Hilmer recommended her to me. Uh, Dr. Hilmer is the producer of Kari Asad's Ghost Detective podcast. Hey! (laughs) Which is how we met. And he's a huge fan of the show and a huge fan of Katrina. So he told me that. He's like, I love Katrina's stand-up. She's so funny. And I was like, you're damn fucking straight. Uh, which is super cute so he has a phd from ucla in korean history so he's kind of a big deal um so huge thanks to dr hilmer for doing a huge chunk of today's research as well as adding context to to korean culture and introducing this artist to us Yo, That's this is amazing. so cool it's pretty sweet i love this is like it's such a legit thing for us to have. We have doctors <laughs> getting like plugs on our episode. This is the most legit this podcast will ever be. Let's <laughs> because go. like legit, he was like, Yeah, I translated this part from Korean. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, what? Yeah. That's crazy, dude. I love this. Wow. And that is something that we would be like, look, this is what we have, but it's um you this know is all i know google translated so it might not be correct he's like oh no i got in there yeah so the biggest issue of course with researching korean chinese or japanese is just that they use a character-based language so anytime it's translated into english the spellings of all the names are wildly different because there isn't it's just like an interpretation of how of the character. we as Americans would spell that name so like it's an interpretation of a character so it's really difficult like I came across I tried to like find some other info and it's just really hard to get things that match up and I was able to sort of like match things from texts that I already found based on the way that they were spelled and be like oh they're talking about the same thing but it just takes a while it's hard to like do searches for that so because is it like what we look at is like a phonetic version exactly yeah it's a phonetic version because we don't i can't i don't have access to the original character so there is one instance that i'll talk about where i was able to access the actual characters uh which i needed to make sure that i was like getting her name from the right place but we'll talk about that a little bit later okay but yeah it is so it does make it so much extra more difficult to research uh so i'm super appreciative of dr hilmer 
thank you, you so Dr. Much. Hilmer. Yeah. Thank you. Sweet. Also, we can't blow by extra more difficult. Extra more difficult. I'm good at sentences. I wrote a <laughs> podcast today. I'm so good at writing and stuff. Um, so Na Haisuk was born on April 28th, 1896. So she's a Taurus. What up? Uh, in <laughs> Suwon, Korea, just outside of Seoul which is now part of South Korea. And she was the fourth child of a wealthy family. I think it's important to mention that she's a Taurus because her obstinance in the face of everything will come up later. And I think it makes a lot of sense. So I generally don't assign astrology, astrology to yeah, our artists. Yeah, this is a new connection for Andrea. I was just <laughs> curious and I was like, yeah, that sounds about fucking right. So... <laughs> But you did I, the reverse engineer version of it where you looked at the after and you were like, this aligns. Yeah, I did pretty much. So I, I don't know. A, I have a question about, because I don't know um, how deep we're getting into it. Do you have any information on what Korea was like at the turn of the century? Why, yes, I do, Jordan. Thanks to oh, Dr. Oh. James Hilmer, PhD. <laughs> I have so much information. Yes! Oh my it's god! It's super important. I'm so excited. Okay, let's super important because what was happening in Korea at the time of her birth is fucking insane. So first of all, just for the listeners, if you're not familiar with Eastern language in Korea, Na is the family name, so Na Haisuk. So Haisuk would be her given name. So not a ton is known about her early life. But there is a lot of historical Korean context that I think is going to be really helpful in understanding how and why she became who she was. So Na was born at the very end of Korea's last dynasty, the Choson dynasty, which officially lasted from 1392 to 1910. But starting in 1894, just two years before her birth, the Korean working class started rising up against the aristocracy in a bunch of rebellions. So Whoa. basically what had happened at the end of the century is all of these different like America, different Western missionaries, all these people were like trying to get in Korea and Korea was like, no, we don't want any of you in here. But America basically was like, we're going to fucking fight you if you don't let some of our people in here to do trade. So they're like, fine, I guess we'll oh. let some people in. So some some missionaries came in and basically like started spreading all these like ideas about democracy. And mm. the emperor got pretty pissed about it and tried to kill a bunch of Christians. But like... <sighs> didn't get them all and so all these people started rising up and at this time korea was essentially a caste system meaning that whatever class you're born into is your class for the rest of your life um there's no way for you to change your status so under the guise of helping out the dynasty both japan and Qing china sent troops to korea to help quash these rebellions because they're just like being so helpful for the emperor and stuff you know and then they stuck around to help out the weakened Korean state further, fought the Sino-Japanese War, vying for supremacy to see who would colonize Korea. And in 1910, Japan officially annexed Korea. So they're like, what up? We colonize you now, bitch. So they kind of pull the fast one. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're just like helping this emperor out or whatever. And then they're like, oops, our bad. Bye, emperor. Ha ha ha. You're clearly too weak to rule your people. You need our help. Wow. 
So like your mean how- girl voice about it. Yeah. Oh my god, you're like totally under my control now. I know. Wait, so Japan's Regina George? <laughs> yes. Essentially, <laughs> yes. Japan is like kind of a bitch who just comes in and takes a bunch of shit, and they're like, uh, and right you're now weak, you're so- getting on my last nerve. Take the emperor. <laughs> Yes. Oh my Stop God. trying to make dynasties happen. <laughs> well, I mean, Japan had its own dynasty because they still had an emperor at this time. But like, stop trying to make Korean happen. Um, I was about to say, so this is the beginning of. Yeah. Them being set. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit. So it, it kind of changes everything. So when Nai Suk was born, Korean society was collapsing under the weight of both Japanese colonization and plebeian uprisings. So in the old world, like before all this stuff happened, ruling class women like Na would have trained to become wise mothers and good wives as per the Confucian ideal. So they would get married to men from wealthy families through arranged marriages. That could happen when girls were as young as 13. Pretty so because they were cool. still medieval, which makes sense only because that dynasty yeah. had been running since 1300. That's yeah. insane. 5,000 years. We had four of the worst, gnarliest years. Can you imagine? 500. Five? Oh, 500. Okay, 500. That makes you feel Your math better. is a little. <laughs> Wait, I know you said 13. Oh, no, you're right. That makes me feel better. I was like, that's terrifying, but that's still too much. It's still a lot. It's still a lot. It's still. 15 times more than what I thought, what I was trying to compare it to. Jordan's laughing yeah. at my horrible math still. Yeah, I know. Because I think the world's 10,000 years old. Because I think the world's 20,000 years old. Yes. I just added one more zero. It's Sorry, all good. But boring. it's still that. But I wait, no, because it would have only brought us. Wait. Wait, what? Oh, my God. Wait, no. I was just doing the math to 2022. Katrina, you're fine. I was like, that would have only brought us to like 1800, though. That makes me feel better. Hell I yeah, love dude. both of you so much right now. Uh, and this is why to... we went to art school. So, <laughs> But I was trying to say that 500 years is a really long time to be under the same rule. Yeah, that it's is. pretty That's crazy. almost 5,000 years of horrible rule. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> almost. So at this time, basically, like the best you can do as a woman is to marry a respected Confucian scholar that would attain a high-status government job because then you would have a lot of money and you'd be set up. So we, upper class- we're, we're still in that. I don't know yeah, why I mean, at the time that's the standard. But also, I mean, like, it, it that's all you could do. Like, that was your only option. And I'm going to go ahead and share. So at the time... Like you couldn't work hard enough on your own in any way to. You couldn't work at all. You couldn't have a job. Uh You can't have a job. You don't have your own money. You are literally property of your husband. So to the extent where joke about where America is headed. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) wait till you see these outfits. So, upper class women were hidden away from men physically and wore face coverings in public to protect their modesty. Here's an image. Okay. Andrea just pulls up the easy mask. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, I was going to say, Andrea had a birthday and now she can't work her computer. 
Oh no, I'm too old it. for technology. So wait, this what? Is the Nightmare Before Christmas? Yeah, is that so, a beekeeper mask? Kind of. So basically, it's easier to see in this photo, but it's basically oh, okay. like an extra jacket that you put over your head, yeah. Yeah, and then I jacket. assume. <laughs> It like ties in the front. And so I assume that kind of what happens is like when you're out in public, you put it up over your head and like around your face to protect right. your modesty. And then when you go in your home, you can put it back on as like a jacket or when you're in the oh, privacy. Oh, you just you're, like, like pull it back down. Women. Like yeah. not on your head, you mean? Got it. it yeah, okay, here's the thing. The only thing For that makes any sense. Hate. You, I'm sure we'll put this on the Instagram so you can look, but she looks like freaking Beavis. She's doing cornholio. Like, she's just like, yeah, yeah. Like, don't look at my tits. Yeah, I mean, kind of, yeah. So they worked so little on this garment. This is the least work I've ever seen done on a piece of clothing. What's crazy about it is, like, this is the aristocracy. So this is actually, like, the best clothing you can get. And I feel like you can tell by the fabric. Yeah, but, but the it's, construction is like you're trying to hide someone in your room when you're 13 and you just yes. like threw something at them and they were like, yes. I'll just be a sweatshirt. Like, it, yeah. Absolutely. what is happening? This is the laziest thing I've ever seen. But well, it's and a so teen. Under that, they also would have worn layers and layers of traditional dress that are like really uncomfortable. Like they would have had to have so many layers on. And it's not a cold place most of the time. So it's like. So it's not like necessary layers. Yeah, it's just a lot of layers. Yeah, because you can see at least two other ones right here. And that person has on very thick stockings or something. Yeah. Yeah, the they also have to, like shoes and socks and like all yeah. that stuff on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things to remember about the aristocracy is that they're not going outside. Like it might be mm-hmm. hot, mm-hmm. but they're not in the direct sunlight. They're not yeah, working just them the field. walking around corridors and things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And they're not really allowed to go outside as women. Yeah, and a lot of these houses and a lot of these spaces that we think of as like, oh, that's so old and they didn't have all this modern technology had better airflow than anything we're ever going to see again in the modern world because that's That's how they had to build it. Yeah, so yeah, also like, yeah, they so they would have spent most of their time indoors and they would have had like servants and other lower class women that would sort of tend to their needs, go to market, like get all of the things that that they needed. How do you yeah. even learn that you need things if you never get to go outside? You just see <laughs> other people with things and you're like, hey, bring me one of those. Yeah, I, I guess. Let me learn I mean, what it does. I guess you go outside when you're young. So like what is crazy about this time though uh, is so true. like. Women were second-class citizens right up until essentially Nas birth. And then things start to change because all these ideas are coming in. And Mm. part of that is because patriarchy can only hold power when society is stable. The promise of the patriarchy is that it creates order. So the promise is that if women just adhere to these rules, they'll be safe. They'll live peaceful lives under the protection of men. But men can't protect them right now. Okay, mm-hmm. Japan is That's here colonizing. It's real. <laughs> the biggest one of the biggest issues in colonized Korea and that Japan did again and again is this concept comfort of women. comfort women, which is essentially mm-hmm. 
sex slaves that Japan kidnapped and forced into sexual slavery. And it is not just having sex with women. The accounts of this time are brutal. It is sadistic. These women were violently raped, often violently gang raped. Sometimes their bodies were torn apart during the rape. So it's like, this is a time for like basic, like regular women. The the horrors that they experienced cannot be overstated. And it's something that continues to cause friction between Japan and a lot of the places that it colonized because Japan Mm. really refuses to take responsibility for the generations of harm that they caused, especially to the women of the places Mm. that they colonized. So it's a big deal. Um, She was largely protected from these from the horrors and the violence of this time because she was upper class. But it's still something that is so prevalent within the society that it is changing everything. The contract, the promised stability of the social contract of the patriarchy that kept women in their place was essentially null and void at this point. So like she's growing up as all of these changes are happening and she's seeing everything in a constant flux. So one of the other contributing factors of this is the Christian missionaries that we talked about earlier. So Protestant missionaries. Oh, wait, Katrina, are you there? Are you just holding really still or are you frozen? Yeah. Oh, my God. You were just saying a bunch of gnarly ass shit about women being torn apart. I I was listening. I thought Katrina's well, screen froze because she was you so were you sitting still. so up for a second. No, you were sitting so still, and then Andrea went robot voice, so it was just like, and then we had no, and I was like, oh fuck, I don't know what's second. happening anymore. That's freaking crazy. Awful. Shit did get crazy awful. Yeah, yeah, I'm so sorry. No, don't be like that's what happened. I'm I'm glad you said it because that's what happened. But like, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, it's pretty dark. So another factor to sort of like all of this change and all of this upheaval is the Protestant Christian missionaries that came into Korea at this time, um, right before the fall of the Chosen Dynasty. And they started opening like schools and hospitals. So a lot of the first like practicing doctors who practiced western medicine came out of these korean missionary schools um okay so at some points in her life na hai suk identified as a christian herself and she actually did graduate from one of the like elementary schools that mary scranton ran which is kind of crazy. So she was like a famous Protestant missionary. Um, And she also graduated from the Jin Young Girls School High School in 1913. So she was one of the first children to kind of like women, especially to go through school, like to go through a modern style school because the first school started to open in 1906. So she was really born like right at the time where she's like one of the first women in Korea to graduate high school. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So it's kind of crazy. She was among the first generation of elite Korean women who were able to receive any higher education. And a lot of the other women that were educated at this time would become doctors and PhDs in other studies and other sort of like 
intellectuals and whatever else. So it's such a crazy time because they're like the first generation that has access to this because their mothers definitely did not. Yeah, it's such a crazy like her doing all these things is really like she was born at a time where no one else had done them and suddenly you could do them. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, so it's kind of insane. So after graduating high school, Na traveled to Tokyo and studied Western painting at the Tokyo Women's College of Arts. In 1914, she published an essay called Isan Chokpun, which translate my pronunciation. I'm sorry. Uh, Dr. Helmer gave me some of the pronunciations for things that we like talked about. And then some of these things I just saw written. So like, I'm trying. Um, You're doing great. I'm trying. So basically it translates to Ideal Woman is the name of her first essay. And she published it in the literary magazine called Hak Chi Kwang. So it's unclear when she started using her pen name Zhang Wall. But Dr. James explained that like at that time, if you're publishing essays, you're going to publish them under a pen name because it's essentially like bad manners to use your own name. If you're an aristocrat. Interesting. Okay. I didn't, I don't feel like I fully grasp like that concept, but it's kind of like the idea that you're like, it's too presumptuous to like use your own name and your like real given name wouldn't really be used for these writings until after your own death. So it's like a weird thing. Oh, wow. So the whole time you're alive. Well, okay. I understand it in the way of like, the hubris to let people read it under the guise of not heightened, like they would think more of it if they knew it came from this person. And that's why they're using a pen name. Well, everyone, everyone knows that that name is her, if that makes sense. But it's just like, I am confused. Yeah. I, it has to be, it has to be like a, an etiquette thing. Like it's an etiquette thing. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because there is. are rules. I mean, I, I. This is not totally to do with it, but I had to do debutante training. Like, <laughs> I know, I know. Here, wait. I'm gonna turn my camera back on for a second. So I had to do my little debutante training because my grandma wanted me to be uh, a correct wife. And I learned how to clean a house and cook and take care of a man. That was my. That's what they teach you there? No, that's what my grandmother taught me. At debutante, you you learn dinner parties and you learn the etiquette of, you know, which fork to use when. Yes. How to curtsy. I used to be able to do a very good Texas dip. That's a different story. That anyway, delicious. Right? Um, Is that like a French a, dip, but with cheese no, with, sauce? With pulled pork. <laughs> oh, man. No, it's a type of bow um, okay. that oh. women in Texas do as like they're coming out oh. as a debutante. I never got my party, though, because like yeah, everybody came died out before I got my party. Anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine a debutante slash gay coming out party? Would love it. Would love to oh see it. Oh my god, it would be incredible. Like it would be amazing. Everyone wears rainbow instead of white. I want it. Uh but yeah, so you you learn these, like there are specific ways that you put your silverware on a plate to let people know I like this, I don't like this, I want more, I'm done. Like and there's yeah. in if you eat at a lot of Japanese 
restaurants, you learn similar things about table manners. Like, yeah, you don't set your chopsticks down on the table or on your plate. You have them specifically in that spot. You pick your bowls up like, you have like a there are roster. specific things that each culture has developed. So I'm sure yeah. that the pen name thing is something like that, where it's like that is in good taste yes. based on how people interact in that. Space. It's in good taste, but absolutely, people, but not necessarily to have any kind of anonymity to the content. Yeah, exactly. It's really, Cause it, yeah, it's a lot of like, uh, it's a lot of the ego where I don't. So I know that you keep mentioning Confucius and I'll be honest, my it's kind of like a rapper name. Like we know who MF Doom is, but like he's MF Doom. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I was going to say like. My understanding of Korean history is through the lens of Buddhism. So I know about Buddhist art in Korea and how Korean belief systems changed the way that Buddhist art looked when it reached that state. Yeah. I shouldn't, that country, that state, whatever. But there is such a huge, um, it's just such a for the honor of your family, for the good of your community, for like a lot of these Asian countries. It's very much not individualistic. It is this is to honor all of us. OK, yes. So <laughs> I think I first of all, I super agree with you. Like, again, we're talking about like Korea at this time is drawing a lot of it's like the things that it upholds and a lot of its etiquette rules from China and from yeah. Confucius because of their dynasty. So they're kind of looking to China a lot. So they have a lot of similar like rules at this time. Um yes. and the pen name Zhang Wu, I tried to like look up what it meant or like what it was about. And the only thing that came up when I Google Zhang Wu is a Korean festival called Zhang Wu Diborium which is essentially the first full moon of the Lunar New Year. And when you consider that, like, so I talked to Dr. Hilmer about it and I was like, hey, I feel like this is an artistic choice that she's making because the full moon is such a feminine thing. Like it, it marks our cycles. It's the most feminine like sort of symbol is the full moon. And to have like the first full moon of a new year she a lot of her writings are about feminism and like a new age of women and so I feel like that was an art a deliberate artistic choice and the characters do match so I feel like it is a deliberate artistic choice on her part to choose that name but I couldn't find any sort of confirmation that that was her intent or that like she gave herself that name like maybe she got that name someone like gave it to her as a nickname I'm not sure so like that is my interpretation of that information but I can't like confirm that that is like fact interpretation information zone yeah it's speculation zone interpretation zone (laughs) interpretation zone that might be and like a way to hide like new woman yeah i i do think (laughs) i do think that it is sort of like a poetic choice because i do think she was like a poetic person so in her essay the the ideal woman in the hakshi kwang uh zhang wall 
addresses the tyranny and hypocrisy of traditional gender roles. She says, and I quote, while women are instructed to be good wives and wise mothers, there is no similar education for men to become good husbands and wise fathers. Yeah. This is from the book Gender and Mission Encounters in Korea by Haywal Che. Uh, it's one of the references we'll talk about at the end, but this is a major source. Um, so Na argues that women are forced to suppress their selfhood their own wants, needs, desires, dreams, all that to essentially serve as slaves to the patriarchy and the whims of their husbands and children. Yeah. Pretty solid. Wrong. Yeah. Pretty solid opening thing. So around this, remember, she's in Tokyo at this time. So she at this time, like Japan is instilling like that. Everyone should be speaking Japanese. Everyone, the way to get ahead in society is to be educated in Japan. Like, mm. they're really pushing, like, Japanese culture onto Korea at this time. Um, later in 1939, Japan would try to make as many people as possible change their names to Japanese names. It kind of worked. It kind of didn't. It's a complicated thing. But... At this time, Japan wants everyone who is of Korean heritage to have a Korean name so that they can continue to differentiate between who is a true Japanese and who is the lesser Korean. So oh. it's kind of a complicated thing. But what a, what a two-sided coin that is. Like either yeah. change your thing to water down your identity be because we want you to just be Japanese or stay Korean on purpose so we can identify you quicker. Well, so there were, from what I read, there were people who like as Japan started to take over, changed their names to Japanese names to sort mm -hmm. of assimilate. And right. Japan was like, no like we need to be able to tell who's who Shit. and so they made them like change it back so that's kind of crazy um but so she's mm. in tokyo at this time she's getting her education again she is a woman of means you know she was born to a wealthy family she is not part of the agrarian society like doing backbreaking labor in a field she is off i do want to say something real quick do you think even as one of the newest women to be able to have these what should be regular things but at this point were advantages compared to just like five years before do you yeah. think that she kind of just was born into this and was like oh cool I can learn stuff like was this harder for women of lower classes to be the first woman in a school or something oh like yeah that? they're not going to school yeah. They're definitely, you know, if you're of a lower class, you don't get to go to school. You're working. Like So this just didn't happen straight up. If like even if she this was lower class, chains, yeah. Okay. She would okay. not have had these opportunities. Got Absolutely. It, okay. it really there still was a a highly stratified society. So there still was mm -hmm. like yeah, sorry. I mean like to some extent you had more opportunities than you did prior to the Japanese colonization if you were lower class like mm -hmm. you could change your situation a little bit you might mm -hmm. be able to if you're a man you probably could go to school but like if you're a lower mm -hmm. class you can't pay for school you still have mm -hmm. to pay for it so it's gotcha. like you still don't really have the access gotcha. um so around this time she fell in love with the editor of the Hakchi Kwang which was Cho Sung-gu who was a student at Keio University 
And in 1915. I love the way you said that like you knew them. You said that like you were telling us something after school and it was the best. <laughs> That's kind of the vibe of With like, chunks of you. Like I was like, what? <laughs> it's crazy. Well, what's crazy Ooh. about it to me is like yes. when, so like what's frustrating and I think what's crazy about it is like in the Wikipedia article I found, it just says around this time she fell in love with the editor of the Hakchi Kwang, Chung Song Gu. And you're like, okay, cool. And they're like, he was a student. And you're like, okay, whatever. In this other book I read, it's like, oh, she published her first essay in this magazine. Right. The Hakchi Kwang. So yeah. it's like the essay that's like, hey, this is where she published her first essay. And the source that was like, hey, this is the dude she fell in love with. Didn't put it together that she's dating her editor. Like, <laughs> are you serious? That's a huge, that's a major thing. Like you're the fact that you fall in love with your editor like, that's firstly pretty hot romance novel. Let's get it. But secondly, for this time, that's insane. Like, for yeah, because she would have still had to deal with the pressures from her family for an arranged marriage. Because just because a society changes doesn't mean your parents do. Yeah. So in 1915. <laughs> and it hadn't been that long. It had yeah. not been long enough for anything to change. Literally. So in 1915, word about her relationship with Cho got back to her father, who forced her to return from Tokyo and pressured her to accept an arranged marriage proposal from a wealthy family. Oh, shit. Mm. And I was, well, I do want to go back and say that it is extra hot just to think about what it's like to edit things with someone and how annoying <laughs> it can be. And just like, you know that they had a full on rom-com fight about editing and then they just totally did it on a desk. <laughs> yeah, but also like at this time, so Cha so Na is a woman who is like, wants her own freedom. Like she wants her own identity. And the idea of like imprisoning herself through the institution of marriage to a man, I'm sure is terrifying. I know, so was she idea? not like, Dad, did you not read my essay? Like, I mean, pretty much. So, like, the idea that a man would support her and, like, publish her essay has to be mm -hmm. super fucking hot. You're just like, oh, my God, he supports my sexual liberation. That's, like, fucking so Fucking sploosh. <laughs> <laughs> I know that when my sexual liberation is supported, I feel very horny. So. Oh, dude supporting your art is bonkers hot <laughs> so hot it's so hot shout out to my boyfriend so fucking hot it's um the best like it used fan. to make me really nervous but it's pretty great <laughs> nervous. yeah i've also had dudes that oh, when yeah, i date them like have you had dudes like when you date them they get like jealous of your success or they have like negative things to say about it and they're like oh why did you get that you're not this or that Yes. Mm, no, but only because. Oh, Jordan said yes immediately. I, I said no yeah. because I feel like I kind of um, have been single when larger trajectories like that have happened. So it hasn't oh, been something okay. that Point. came up. But what were you going to say, Jordan? Oh, no, I was just going to. I've been with like. Keith is incredible and he is constantly being like, yeah, you're like amazing. And it's really cool that you do the stuff. Uh, my impression of him is so mean. He's just <laughs> like a, he's like a human boogie board. Oh, um, but I just, 
No, but I've Does been that, that guy. Does that mean he helps you float across the waves of life? What do you mean? Aww, oh, no. Cute, I just actually. mean he he was born and raised in Orange County, and he sometimes you just... You mean literally? He just sometimes <laughs> wears swim trunks around like our apartment with board. no shirt on. Like, it's... Okay. So does my boyfriend. He also does yeah. that. Oh, my yeah, God. No, okay. so, he just to, like their balls to be free. I guess. But I went to a pool, like I went a pool. I went to the beach for a friend's birthday and just had yeah. a bathing suit on and immediately forgot that like you can't just walk around in a bikini top and shorts in stores around here. I was like, oh, I went full Florida immediately. <laughs> it took zero time. So I can't judge Keith or your boyfriend, Andrea. <laughs> it's pretty adorable. <laughs> No, but I've I've been with men who like they are so upset at the idea that you might have options. Yeah. Like absolutely. not even just other men, but just options. Like I also I have gotten dumped because I have to look you guys in the eye again when I say this. A man told me that I was too smart and it made him uncomfortable. Yeah, f- don't fuck that's that That's a guy. compliment. Yeah, that's hot as shit. You're hot. I was just Get like, it. you're done with your man bun. You're not breaking up with me. I'm breaking up with you. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I had a dude who got mad that I got a five-minute guest set on a, sh- on a comedy show. <laughs> he was, like, so wildly jealous that I had gotten it and not him. And I was like, it wasn't a competition. They just saw my set and asked me, like, it's not a big deal. You need to chill out. Oh that I God. it became like a legitimate fight, and I was like, "This is the dumbest fight I've ever had." <laughs> Dude, <laughs> do you ever have a fight with someone, and it's like you know how bad this fight looks, right? Yeah, my last. Like, I ex feel got like mad. I have too much pride to have certain fights, even if I had a feeling like that. Like, because jealousy is a natural thing. Yeah. depending on even sure. if you feel that way sometimes just to absorb it and be like yeah okay maybe that's a little natural but i'm definitely not gonna say anything about it and i'm trying exactly. not to like act on it or whatever yes. i kind of work yes. through it and even if you admit it later be like you know i, I was like a little bit jealous of you but just you know because comic you know whatever yeah. but to like be mid fight about something that it's like this you're yelling at me and I'm so turned off. Like this is the yeah. most embarrassing fight. Like this whole fight is bad. Stop. Oh, um, but no, but God. this is the opposite of the situation that Nas in. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I've definitely been in a fight where I was like, I we could be having sex right now. Instead, you're being stupid. Like, I legit have said you, that to someone. You, oh, my God. Oh, I, I was like, we could be having sex and you're making a dumb fight about nothing. <laughs> like, why are we doing this? Uh, we so, are yeah. kind of similar. That's funny. I know. <laughs> we definitely are just like, this is dumb. I'm not doing this. Uh, so after her dad gets word about this and is like, yo, you got to marry this dude. She's like, no, I'm not going to do that. So she escaped the proposal by accepting a teaching position at a primary school where she earned enough money to cover the rest of her tuition without her father's help. So she basically wow. was like, fuck you, I don't need you, bitch. Right. And she just like, want to. yeah, pretty much. She's like, I'll pay for my own school. Because he was like, I'm not paying for your school anymore. If you don't get right. married. And she's like, yeah, fuck you. I'm not doing That's that. That's fine. Yeah. Which I vibe with pretty hard. Um, yeah. That's amazing. 
Yeah. She went full rich girl supporting herself. This is, again, rom-com. It's pretty hot. <laughs> Why haven't I seen this movie yet? Keep going. So at the end of 1915, she returned to her studies and her lover in Tokyo. But in 1916, I know, wildly hot. But in 1916, Cho Sung-yu died of tuberculosis. No! Yeah. It's pretty brutal. I forgot what time it was, like in history. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so sad. I know. It's pretty upsetting. Uh, And so Na actually had to take a break from her studies because she had a mental breakdown. Oh, no. Because, yeah, how old was she? Uh, so, 1916, she's 20. Oh, my God. Yeah, that'll right? do it. The first boy you love when you're 20 I just can. dies. Mine I just mean, left me for another girl that worked at Applebee's, and I almost <laughs> had to get Baker acted. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fucking Applebee's. It's the I bottomless love- martinis, are- and then she was bottomless. <laughs> So from Florida that you just know Baker acted. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I lost so much weight. One of my roommates, like, out of legit concern, wanted Baker acted, but I was just, like, sad. Aww. But, yeah, I can't imagine being that was around, like, a similar age, and it was nowhere near as devastating as freaking TB. Tuberculosis. Taking your... Well- boyfriend away probably at this time it's either syphilis or tuberculosis and this way she gets to keep her nose so i don't know what to tell everybody yeah it's 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 pretty dark it's pretty dark over here so it's like if i had to pick between that and a deep cough i guess i'm picking tv yeah (laughs) it's rough man so in 1918, she does finally graduate, um, and she is the first Korean woman to get a degree in Western painting from Tokyo wow. Women's College. So we don't have great dates on what her work looked at like at this time. And part of that is hard to get chronology for her work just because of all of the transitions that Korea went through. And also because of some of the stuff we'll talk about later. But I'm going to show you guys kind of what her work generally looked like just so you can get an idea. Yeah, please. Um, Because also she went straight from doing these essays to painting. So she was kind of painting the whole time but it Uh, seems like for her the essays like being a feminist and being able to have your own artistic life were the same thing for her because without feminism she could not pursue art at all and art would have ended as soon as she became a mother so for her she felt like she needed to write about feminism and her beliefs in order to be able to show her paintings and like justify her artistic choices so this is um one of her paintings of a buddhist temple and you can kind of see she's she's mimicking a lot of sort of like the impressionists a little bit but it's also influenced by sort of the korean style of like focusing a lot on landscape and um i would say the way that things are rendered it kind of feels like a meshing between like more original korean styles and then like the impressionist styles of that time kind of like Cezanne ish so yeah it definitely has kind of a van gogh if you look Mm -hmm. at these like the very very textural which Mm -hmm. i will always remind us that 
the the Van Goghs of the world were inspired by UKO painting. Yeah. UKO again. There's sort of a relationship starting to happen between the East and the West and the artistic practices at this time that both are kind of influencing each other. But yeah, you can definitely see that in that painting. Yeah, definitely. So she kind of is like, cool, that was great. We did it. Uh, She goes back pretty much heartbroken, but still wanting to paint. So uh, she goes back to Korea. I know, because she just kind of like pulled through that really horrible time and painted. and Yeah, she kind of painted her way out of it. And she like blew up her entire life. Right. And then he like immediately died. And that's, I feel like, imagine if she had done some version of what she did only for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. She just would have been stuck there and been like, what am I even, what is my purpose? You know what I mean? Everything was just like poured into this one basket. But it was like, the place was to be back with him, but like she was going to do some version of that anyway. And I feel like even because she continued to paint is like having any kind of purpose. I think for her and kind of based on a lot of her writings and things that I read, she wanted her own life. So any sort of like love or romantic attachment or whatever else was only valuable to her insofar as it supported her ability to continue to be autonomous. Right. So it's this thing where it's like because she had such a rich inner life and because she valued herself, she was able to persevere through a lot of like loss and heartbreak. Right. She would not have been able to do that if she didn't feel like she had something else to live for. Right. But, But concurrently, also like her feeling like she needed something else to live for led to a lot of heartbreak. So it's like sort of this like dual thing. Well, because I was going to say also a kind of in terms of a lot of things that have been in discussion lately in terms of women and tradition and roles and what we feel naturally and stuff like that. Just the idea that you could fall in love, want to be with someone to that extent and have all of those desires as simultaneously as your need and demand for your entire independent life kind of just immediately discounts a lot of what some people think about women in general like yeah. that it has to be one or the other or anything like that yeah i i yeah. think what is really hard is just that like this is you know 10 years essentially after she would have if she had been born 10 or 20 years earlier she would have been in an arranged marriage she never would have none of this ever would have happened to her so it's like crazy that she just like was at this time in history and she just was like fuck it we ball like she went all in on it it's insane and it's interesting to think of in a broad historical aspect that this is the way that waves like this are made is like 15 nas just being sprinkled throughout and finding different versions of this and that being why we have waves of art and sound and things like that is because different people get some kind of independence or you know fire in them or whatever it is yeah yeah Yeah. absolutely so on march 1st 1919 uh Nas back in Korea. She's chilling. She participated in the March 1st movement, 
which was a pretty violent protest uprising. Uh, After a decade of colonial rule, Korean intellectuals inspired by other self-determination movements around the globe rose in protest and declared Korea's independence from Japan. Koreans in Seoul and other cities around the peninsula poured into the streets waving Korean flags and chanting, Long live Korea. The movement was quickly and harshly put down as Japanese soldiers fired into crowds. As many as 7,500 Korean civilians were killed and 46,000 were arrested. Na and her cohorts, who helped prepare materials to make flags and attended the protests, were arrested. And Na was imprisoned for six months. She later wrote that, quote, She'd figured out how to write messages using her fingernail on bits of torn fabric, and the experience taught her that nothing is impossible. End quote. Mm. That's from a medium article wow. by Alex Lachlan. Yeah. Pretty crazy. So, yeah, she went to jail because she was like, yeah, fuck this. Fuck the government. And that's pretty hot. Again, she keeps getting hotter. Um,. Almost immediately after leaving jail, it seems. So she got out in six months. Almost immediately after leaving jail, she and her feminist in arms, uh, Kim Iryap, contributed articles to Korea's first feminist literary magazine called Sin Yuja or New Woman. So... Okay. I didn't even know she was going to say that. Yeah. Katrina's got When I said that, were you like, mm, I have a little button for you I did. later. I was really excited about it. I was just like, Korean, uh, Katrina knows what's up. I called you Korea. Korea knows what's up. <laughs> That's Katrina what my name Korea autocorrects too. Yeah. So new women were kind of like the American flappers. Uh, East Asia mm-hmm. was also influenced by the flapper movement and the jazz age of the 20s and 30s. Uh, These women pursued social lives that had been unthinkable for their mother's generation. They went to university. They dated. They dabbled in free love. They sat in cafes producing new forms of art and literature. They cut their hair into bobs and they watched films. They were flappers. Just just watching movies with bangs being insane. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. So they, she kind of is like, yo, this stuff is dope. Let's get in on that. And kind of her and her friend started doing all these like writings about feminism. And what was really interesting at the time is that her and her friend, a lot of like the feminist writings were using Christianity and Protestantism to say like, hey, we need feminism, but like still like Jesus wants feminism. And they were the first two women that were like, no, secular feminism. Like, don't even bring God into this shit. Like, we just deserve to be people, essentially. Mm. Um, So this is from the magazine's inaugural issue. And this was translated by... Hai Wal Che, which is uh, also one of the sources we talked about earlier. And it says, and I quote, liberation. This is the outcry of women ourselves who were traditionally confined to the deep inside of the house for long. It is also against humanity to force women 
who are as capable as men to stay in the inner chambers. In order to reform the family, we have to liberate women who are the masters of the house. We must liberate women first if we are interested in catching up and winning over others and transforming our entire societal structure. We are not interested in seeking empty notions of equality or respect for women. Our magazine is only interested in contributing to the betterment of society. So she's 24 and she's like, no, we deserve to like have our own shit. Fuck all your stuff. Like fuck your gender roles. Fuck your norms. Like I want my own shit. Like fuck all of you. 24 year old that's that's abs yes that is 24 i knew tons of 24 year olds like that like this is the age i continue to be this 24 year old yeah we all want to change the world at that point like Like, come on we did (laughs) but even in that i feel like that is when you start to see a break off of people that will like do things like this or make zines or do anything yeah. to kind of like fight against that and people yeah. that kind of start to just you know go give with in the flow. yeah it's easier to get it's so much easier to give in it's so much easier to just shut the fuck up and do the thing just go get the job they like, made be it miserable, that way but quietly. they made it that easy yeah absolutely and for it's easy for a reason so I think it's really clear from Na's writings that she wanted to be something more than the role that traditional Korean society laid out for her. She was terrified of becoming one of those good wives and wise mothers that Confucian ideals told her she should be because she was terrified of losing herself. Um, nevertheless, on April 10th, 1920, just a few weeks before her 24th birthday, Na Hai-suk married Kim Woo-young, who was the lawyer that Na's family hired to help her avoid a lengthy prison term when she was arrested. Incredible. She's like, here's the thing. You want me to hook up with somebody we know? I'll find somebody. How about that? Like, yeah, he's a friend of the family. You'll love him. So it it was a love marriage, which was really rare for this time in Korea. But she was basically Uh. like, I love him. He's so great. He and the thing is, too, is like you have to remember, like this dude passionately defended her. They probably were like getting steamy in the jailhouse, you know, just like having sexy conversations. Well, even probably like it's like the one person that they'll allow to visit you or whatever. Yeah. He's probably like holding her hand being like, it'll be okay. You're I believe in you. Like, it's okay that you're a feminist. Like, you're so brave. Whatever. How old is he? Pretty hot. And I wonder how many men there were like that in Korea at the time. Yeah, the the idea that a man would sort of like support a woman who was vocally feminist at this time is pretty rare. Okay. So like it is I think that she felt like, oh, this man like sees me like I'm yeah. being really vocal about my feminist ideals. I'm being like really vocal about wanting to have my own life. So like this is a safe man to marry for me because he'll sort of like respect my values. Yeah. Know? Do we know how old he was? Oh, I don't know that. It's he wasn't that much older than her, though, actually, like based on like photos. They look about the same ish age. Um, I imagine them being around the same age, but I am also writing a movie in my head. So, yeah, I don't have a source for that, though. So I can't say for certain, but it doesn't seem like he's that much like he's not like crazy way older than her based on like what I could see. So on March 18th, 
1921, just a year after she gets married, pretty much, Na had her first exhibition of paintings and the first exhibition of a Korean woman painter ever in Seoul. Wow. Pretty fucking tight. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's incredible. I mean, she just keeps like she's like punching through the glass ceiling, basically just keeps punching. Um, in 1923, she drops bars in her essay Thoughts on Becoming a Mother, where she talks about the devastation she felt upon becoming pregnant, fearing the end of her artistic and literary career. That's a direct quote from Che again. Um, she says, and I quote, the child is a devil that takes away the flesh of its mother. Damn. Yeah, it's pretty have crazy. You- has anyone, have either of you ever seen The Baby? No. no. There is a show called The Baby on, I think, HBO Max. And it's a British show. Is it about it's an evil demon baby? Kind of. And it speaks to this in the best, creepiest way. I mean, it kind of is. I mean, I she feel... She would love this show, is what I'm saying, based on that line. <laughs> when we talk about sort of like... So remember, like, Margaret Sanger had just released her thing that was like, hey, you don't have to get pregnant. And all these women, like, wrote to her. This yeah. is, like, right around that same time. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, So this is, like, the same moment in history of, like, why do I have to be pregnant why do I have to have a baby like this fucking sucks like she probably doesn't have access to that materials because she probably isn't reading and writing in English necessarily or have access to that translated for her but she's okay. sort of experiencing a lot of those same thoughts and feelings that were being I was say, that makes it even more validating women all over the world are writing the same shit they're in just different like languages. fuck this <laughs> yeah yeah, it's pretty messed up. Uh, she also, in this essay, heavily criticized her husband for leaving the child rearing entirely up to her and challenged the idea that motherly love is somehow innately feminine. She basically was mm. like, I had to learn to be a mom. Like, I didn't just fall in love with these kids as soon as they popped out. Yo. This is hard. She's like, I'm going through sleep deprivation. This is fucking torture. Like, this fucking sucks, essentially. And... She was heavily criticized for her essay publicly. She, I'm sure she was. <laughs> yeah. People at the time were like, Korean society was like, shut the fuck up, bitch. Like, we don't want to hear about it. We don't want to hear that you don't like this. Like, this is your role. This is what you should be doing. And it's essentially like blasphemy that you don't like just quickly love your kids and you just don't want to be a mom. Oh, yeah. I'm sure she got like shamed to all hell. I can imagine moms now. shamed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Moms now, if you admit that you didn't adore your little potato the second you laid eyes on them, (laughs) like it's it's a huge thing in certain circles. And I definitely had a friend that was like, you know what? Straight up being pregnant blows. I don't feel good. I'm yeah. real iffy on this whole situation. Like was just like not iffy like about like germinating or anything, but just being like, yeah, this is that freaking great. And I'm not just sitting here being like, oh, my God, I can't wait. She was like, no, I feel horrible and I want to sleep. Yeah. And I was like, thank you so much. I was like, please, like, be as honest as you want with me. And I think that it was kind of a thing where, like, she couldn't maybe text 
as mean stuff to people who also had kids, but she could tell me whatever she wanted. My best friend yeah. legit while she was going through pregnancy just sent me a text that said my tits smell like Parmesan. And it was just like, what the oh fuck? Oh, my God. No, like, like just getting information that lets you know, like, you don't ever want to be in that. Position. Yes. Like, just I don't even know what the fuck that means. But no, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good to go. I had like, no idea this was even a possibility. Yeah. Like, what's happening? You know how loosely I would have to make a Caesar salad for my tits to smell like parmesan oh. right now <laughs> oh yeah so like i had three friends who got lightning crotch yes what's that that's what real the, what about your what crotch it's like a what? lightning super, crotch it's like a super painful cramp that you just get all the fucking time yeah and it's oh. right through your virginia i get that oh, sometimes I- without like it being my period it's just like yeah. hey fuck you and it hurts yeah. really bad real quick those are like, the only those are the only kind of cramps i ever had before i sucks. was like older okay. okay i totally like i'm sure they have worse ones but i yeah. know what though okay cool, cool, my cool, sister cool. started losing her teeth because of oh her pregnancy. Yeah, they oh, do babies take your calcium. They'll take so much. That's what even they about literally what take your bones. Her words, right? Like the idea of thinking that isn't that far off because they can take that much from you. Yeah, yeah. they can literally take the calcium from your bones. That's why women are more likely <laughs> yeah. to have osteoporosis. Oh my god! But I also I've had friends who had um, that hypermyesis, the like. Where you vomit so much, you have to get a pick line and a feeding tube installed. Oh, yeah, Um, that's rough. And they, like, I've had two friends who've had it, and both of them were like, my baby was so worth it. Like, they were super positive the whole pregnancy, just very much like, this is just what I have to do to have this baby, and I'll do Uh it. I think, though, that the the main thing to remember in this is like everyone's gonna have these different sort of experiences absolutely but like again it's just like it's up to you as a woman to be you like you get to be honest about that that's what i was about to say it's okay if you're not that kind of woman yeah absolutely and that's fine and so although she was heavily criticized for this essay she was very much protected by her husband so kim Mm young at the time had become he'd started to become a prominent political figure and at the time he was the vice consul for manchuria in japan or in manchuria for japan so he basically was like part of the japanese colonial rule right and so he's kind of like this bigwig so even though his wife is like kind of talking a bunch of shit everyone's like well don't fuck with her like she's exactly. still married you know, ultimately, too, like both his position and the fact that she ultimately still was a mother, she still was fulfilling that motherly role. And the fact that she went on to have four kids in total protected her from a lot of this criticism. Like they couldn't talk, but so much shit because she was still doing all She's the still other doing stuff. the thing. She's just uh-huh. like, yeah, I'm not super thrilled about this. This is fucking hard. Mm-hmm. Like this sucks. That is a very interesting line to tote because I was going to say like, yeah, she's protected by him, but like people could still give him the business and be like, yeah, shut her up. Yeah. And then it's kind of up to him, you know, if he's going to man up or not. Yeah. So it's Mm. like, you know, it's complicated. Mm -hmm. Um, Then 
in 1927, Na Haesuk went on a three-year tour of Europe and America, partially, it sounds like, so like from what I would find, some person was like, yeah, she was accompanied by her husband. And then another source was like, her husband was getting trained in a different country to be this official. So he wasn't there the whole time. My guess is that he might have like, hung out with her a little bit for like a few months at a time and then like gone back and done his business stuff. Okay. That's my guess based on like the difference in the sources that I'm seeing. Um, And it was subsidized by the Japanese government and it made her the first Korean woman ever to visit any of those places. Wow. So she's the first Korean woman ever ever to go to america spain france yes ever in the history of all of korea first korean woman god she's the first korean woman allowed outside (laughs) yeah that's nuts yeah yeah it's like insane just the sheer amount of she is the first woman like she is one of the first graduating classes. She yeah. is the first woman to have a solo show in yep. Seoul. She is the first woman to lead. That's she's doing all the amazing. Stuff. So around this time, she's painting essentially like European landscapes, architecture, but she's also painting customs, family life, and most importantly, how women are portrayed. So these are some dancers that she saw in Paris. Um, Mm. This is a beach in Spain. You can sort of see it's very, you know, it's still of that same like Cezanne-esque type thing. So it feels like kind of like Cezanne mixed with more classical Korean stuff at the time. And I'm going to show you also a uh, self-portrait she did. So this is a photo of her. I'm not sure exactly when this was taken. My guess is around sort of like the time she was married. And okay. then this is a self-portrait that she painted. So this is very French. Uh, you can see she kind of has like the dark makeup, like dark eye makeup, the like rouge. She's wearing like modern, more Western style dress. Her hair <gasps> is either short or it appears to be in some type of bun, but she has sort of like the finger waves happening. So she's very much like embodying this sort of modern woman and that's Mm -hmm. also how she's painting herself she's not painting herself like cheerfully she's not like this ideal so much like the green line yeah stripe yes Yes. green stripe it looks like it's very matisse-esque absolutely oh yeah and i so that would have been before her before her visit um but yeah but she's she definitely, definitely channeling that like, like so much fauvism to mm-hmm. that self-portrait mm-hmm. and it's definitely got those masks like that that whole mm-hmm. all the fauves they loved those masks well you can tell she's very influenced by her time in paris and sort of influenced by the other artists she's meeting the art that she's seeing like she, you can tell she's just really influenced by this trip um so she goes on this trip she makes all these paintings she comes back in 1930 she holds this huge exhibition in her hometown of suwan showcasing all the work she created abroad as well as prints she had acquired from other artists in her travels 
So it's like this big deal. It sounds like it says that she won an award this year. I'm assuming it was for this show. Um, Yeah. So it sounds like they were really well received. She sold a lot of paintings. Like she was kind of like a big deal in Korea at this time. And her exhibitions were widely attended. And even though she's sort of like being this like daring feminist, people are supporting her work artistically. And then in 1930, it became public knowledge that while she was in Paris, Na had had an affair with Choi Rin, which is the leader of a religious movement called Religion of the Heavenly Way. So. Oh, hell nah. Yeah. Sorry, she can't set me up like that. Why did she do so, that? So, do you know <laughs> this 19- one? No, I don't actually know this. I, I'm not familiar oh, with this Oh, no, no, no. I was asking Katrina because of her reaction. I don't know if I missed the joke, but like. Oh, no. I was definitely joking. I don't know what was about to happen. Yeah. Oh, so that sounds that sounds like a cult. It does sound like a cult. I didn't have time to like look super into it. And also this episode was getting really long. So I was like, we're just going <laughs> to gloss over the fact this is probably a cult. Um, but. In, we'll go into it with Paige in a different episode. We'll be like, hey, Paige, <laughs> we got to get into this. You got to come over. Um, so in 1931, Nas' husband divorced her on grounds of infidelity. Whoa. I was just going to ask about him. Yeah. So like at this time. Like I to, was. To be a divorced woman was like wow. the worst thing that could happen to you. Like you don't have access to your children. Like your husband owns your children. You don't have any yeah. money. You, you literally have nothing. You are have just yourself. Yeah. Like my grandmother left my grandfather in 1960 something. And it was so hard for her to do anything that she immediately got married again. <laughs> Because yep. she couldn't even have a bank account by herself. Like, yep. the yeah. 30s, the 30 years beforehand, I, oh, fuck. Can't imagine. 30s in yeah. Korea. So it's crazy. Um, So this is a really tricky time. So from some of the sources I found, in 1931, Na sued Choi in a French court for defamation of a woman's reputation after he published a saucy article recounting their affair. <gasps> Whoa. Yeah. He ran his mouth. He ran his mouth. Uh, despite oh, her divorce, shit. Na was actually for a while able to continue painting and she did win a special tri- a special prize at the 10th Chosun Art Exhibition in 1931. So she was kind of still doing her thing. You know, she's mm-hmm. like, okay. okay great i lost my whole family she did also write a whole like letter to her children that was like published that was like hey i'm sorry i kind of had to do this whatever i'm not gonna get super into that because time but also Uh like we're gonna get into some other things she wrote okay because like all boss bitches nahai suk could not keep her big mouth shut In 1934, she published an article called Confession About Divorce, which addressed her former husband directly, where she openly admitted to her affair and criticized the strict patriarchal society that allowed many partners for men, but only one Mm. for women. She revealed that her husband had been unable to satisfy her sexually and Yo. unwilling to discuss the issue. 
What? Oh, shit. <laughs> she criticized the society that did not consider women's sexual needs and advocated oh for quote-unquote test marriages where couples could live together before marriage to test their compatibility. Oh, so she invented dating? Yeah, she also much. invented dating. <laughs> she was like, we should just be able to like live together for a little bit to see if like this is good. Like what a novel oh, idea. My That's God. so insane. But also I've been trying not to bring it up as a tangent this whole time, but it keeps becoming more and more relevant. And I just literally saw today this tweet where uh, it was by a, a sex, uh, like, I wish I had a better idea because I should have looked more, but I didn't. But it's basically a sex doctor um, yes. talking. Don't about, worry. I'm a sex doctor. Basically, that's not how she would identify herself. I'm <laughs> sure. But if an adult was, says that to you, Katrina, you have to walk away. Trust me. I'm a sex doctor. Got it. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just get up in these alley stirrups. Um, I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, no, but this um, woman tweeted earlier today about the discrepancy between men and women in the amount of orgasms that they have mm-hmm. in monogamous yes. relationships and mm-hmm. how that's shifting because people are just working on or women are being more ver- vocal and all of these different things. Mm-hmm. Um, I and- definitely have more than my share, of, my fair share of orgasms in my relationship and positive big fan i really yeah. thought you were about to say that you faked it oh never have you in guys my life ever faked it yeah no, no i've never in my life faked it i mean if you fake it they'll never like, learn i was gonna say maybe in like high school but i definitely <laughs> remember a specific time in my life where i like first off i feel like i remember the when no one was worried about that and when people actually yeah. started even asking was yeah. kind of like maybe when I was in college like when I was like had my first boyfriend no one was worried about me coming like no <laughs> one even asked that I didn't um, know I could come until my first boyfriend like touched me and I was like what is this feeling oh, he's like well, you're coming that's coming wow that's that but see that's the kind of power that no one needs to have um yeah it's hard to leave someone who can do it no hands ma like that is oh he was with his hands but i like didn't know i could no i bet i'd never come before what do you mean like with his brain like fucking clint matilda (laughs) (laughs) Matilda. no i meant a man who can make you come without you helping oh yeah hard to leave that is oh, a hard you. relationship to get You're out so of. Funny. No, but this That's woman facts. is talking about <laughs> I it. I held on for too long. It was just a thread <laughs> of just like information and women speaking up and like yeah. statistics and um, also comparing like women in um, same sex relationships and how their orgasm percentages are way higher because it's two partners that are verbalizing and asking about each other's needs more and all this stuff. Yeah. And there was a guy in the Oh comments. my God. Who said, what's wrong? Abner just jumped up and it scared me. I thought it was like a ghost. (laughs) I'm sorry. I I thought your reaction was to Katrina saying there was a man. That's exactly what was so funny, Andrea, is your reaction was perfect with there was a man speaking and you just went, oh my God, a man was typing. Like it was the best. How dare he? They're not allowed to speak. 
And that's oh my the God. official stance of Podvant Guard. Men oh should God. shut the fuck Jordan. up. <laughs> oh my no, God. We can let we can let men talk uh, starting with Rothko. He's allowed to talk. That's oh, fair. We also, oh God, I'm going to say his name wrong because I'm so bad at names. Dr. Dr. Hil- Hilmer? Hilmer? Hilmer. Dr. I almost Hilmer. called him Hillenbomber. Dr. pretty fucking rad. We have Dr. a list. He can every, also speak. Every, every man is on the speaking list unless you are brutally removed. We're going to start with everyone <laughs> and then you get removed like dodgeball because fair is fair. It's like oh, a three I was going to say we debark them like they do with chihuahuas. <laughs> oh my God. George, Jesus Christ. <laughs> It's actually pretty funny, oh, though. But no, I did want to say there was this guy in the comments that said, like, it's so sad that women today can't enjoy sex the way that our mothers and grandmothers did. Ah, and, like, went on to say all this And like said some other dumb stuff. You think stuff our afterwards. grandmothers were coming? Shut Literally the fuck up. The first sentence out of every woman's mouth was like, you dumb piece of garbage if you think that we're the ones that like you i can't imagine being that blind to all the information that was in that thread that was like percentages and just people giving their feedback on all the partners they've had in their life and be like you know what women today have ruined sex by just inventing a new thing called coming i don't know what this guy's stance even was that like (laughs) women were enjoying it without coming before i don't know what his idiot idea of what old sex was but like the idea that you would go that far to not question what you were doing with your partner like what and it just we kept talking about our grandmothers and how they couldn't do things it's like they couldn't come or have checkbooks and none of this what are you talking about (laughs) what (laughs) actually having a checkbook does kind of make me come so like i get oh it definitely increases your chances of orgasm yeah because you're like i can spend my own money and buy cute having my own checkbook relaxes my brain enough that i want to find someone to come with exactly Exactly. If I'm this poor, is I'm stressed out and I come alone because I don't have any time for you. I have to make money to buy things. I yes. don't have a checkbook. Yes. So uh, much like us, uh, women speaking openly about sexual liberation was so shocking to traditional Korean culture that this essay would completely ostracize Na from Korean society. Mm. unable to sell her paintings essays or stories and cut off from any type of marital or familial financial support nahai suk was reduced to destitution she spent her last years in obscurity living off the charity of buddhist monasteries she's the icarus of feminism i mean kind of yeah she flew she fucked too close to the sun her wings made of money eventually burned up she her, honestly her wings made of coming really was the problem <laughs> come was the glue Just. that was taping the money together that she <laughs> so nahai suk died on december 10th 1948 oh. at a charity hospital in seoul just four months after the formation, the official formation of South Korea and the liberation of Korea from Japanese rule following World War II. Wait, um, how close was she to that? 
So it's dates are like a little fuzzy because like uh-huh. World War II kind of ended like America and Russia swooped in and were like, this part's ours. This part's ours. So they like yeah. divided Korea oh, what? up. Records get iffy around World War II. I can't imagine. Yeah. So like <laughs> South Korea was officially formed as its own state in 1948. But it sounds like Japan was out of there by like around 1946-ish. So like Japan wasn't there. But then there are these other two people that were like, we got to make this a thing again. Because it had been so colonized, it like wasn't Korea. You know what I mean? So they had Mm -hmm. to be like, okay, do you guys want to like set up your own shit? And America's like, you guys should be democratic. And Russia was like, you guys (laughs) should be communists. And then they fought a war about it. Um, Yeah. That was a really good rundown. Thanks. Yeah. uh, I know history, Katrina. Thank you. (laughs) No, I like America just being like rumor spreading Groucho Marx. You should be a Democrat. I mean, that is kind of what America does. America literally goes to other countries and is like, you guys should be Democratic. Oops. Pa-pow. And like kill all the socialist leaders. So it's fine. The CIA is great and normal and good. Um, So... Pow. That is Pow. not the stance of Podvant Guard. It's not. This is sarcasm. <laughs> Podvant Guard says, fuck the CAA. Come find me, bitch. They're listening to this podcast right now. Um, yeah, come find Andrea. We haven't even put it up. Find my black ass. <laughs> Definitely. I'll just be hauled away. You guys won't notice. Um, don't replace me with a robot. So. That's her why grave. your screen froze. <laughs> I was thinking too. <laughs> That's why the CA is listening in. So her grave is still unknown. No one knows where she was buried. No one was there to take care of her. Her children didn't know where she was. Like oh, no one was there for her at her death. She Did was completely. Did she ever get to talk to her children? Like how old were they when? Not even when she got ostracized, but when she had her affair and all the that. The oldest went down. one would have been 10 when she got oh, divorced they were because little. they were like babies they were so, so like could they pretty insensitive question to ask Ooh, here we go i'm glad it's not me <laughs> <laughs> okay and i know i know i know how this sounds but i have a legitimate question because i don't i don't i don't know i might know if you spend your adult life writing about how much you hate having kids. Do you really mind if those kids are no longer involved? She didn't hate kids. Uh, her essays, her essays were really more about how society unfairly makes children a woman's responsibility and only a woman's responsibility so a lot of her things were like what we go through as women to even like give birth is like difficult and it sucks and she was just really honest about that she did not like hate her children I think she resented the idea that her whole life should be her children and she was afraid that I misunderstood I misunderstood that part about it because she it does seem like a lot of her writing is like I do not want kids because they will be my entire personality at that point due to and societal at that time, expectations those were which like choices. I understand I yeah. do understand that point yeah but it also just sounds like she didn't want 
the kids and then she also describes children as eating their mothers alive or however well, that I mean I they do, literally I are can, I can also see someone with ideas like what we've heard feeling that way while you're pregnant because yes. all of that is very physical and awful and can be very physically painful and demanding and everything that we're like continuing oh. to learn about what pregnancy takes away from you but and it does seem so like so fucking a, hormonal right and it does seem like a lot of what she said afterwards was like this is bullshit because this dude doesn't have to help it doesn't have to yeah. help me yeah that was more of her like, like resentment right okay. it was more like this takes so what you're saying about before jordan the reason that I was so afraid of this is because this guy doesn't have to help me at all. Like I was yeah. so afraid of the way this looks at like your identity from the outside. And now that I have kids, I see it's out of the necessity of what they take to be raised and the discrepancy of the workload in this domestic situation. Yeah. I think she was like, I mean, I think pretty fair. This is like, honestly, like I read a lot of reddit but also like yeah. why people are in relationships and stuff then one of the biggest reasons why married couples get divorced is because women take on much more than their fair share of household chores and child rearing that's like yeah. re like number and one the mental and load mental load and not coming it's all that stuff of just like women's needs are not being met in relationships and men think that if they wash a single dish, they should get a gold fucking star. Like that's yeah. the problem in so many relationships. And now a hundred years ahead of today felt exactly the same way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I think she had some pretty legitimate like gripes. Oh um, no, absolutely. Like I'm not saying that any of them are illegitimate. Oh. I just, I also... I am just curious because there is so much in the history of birth control mm. where even you read these stories from women like the Unplanned Parenthood Project. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how much relief would you have had if those were not your problem anymore? That's my only question. Like, I just, that's what I'm curious about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, like, difficult to speculate. But based on, like, the writings that she, like, wrote to her children, it sounds like she wanted to have a relationship with them as okay. people. But she didn't want to just be their only caregiver. And that was kind of, like, okay. her complaint. Um, yeah. And it seems like a version of what not so much what she was talking about about child rearing taking you away from any kind of creation or identity but it's more like her speaking her mind took her away from them yeah like, yeah just by sheer lack of filter she was ostracized and didn't get to be around so whatever kind of relationship she may have been able to be have have with them I'm sure she maybe would be the kind of thing where she'd be like, well, no, I don't take it back. You know what I mean? Yeah. The issue at this time is that she cannot have her own identity and also be, be a, a mother, mother in uh -huh. the society. 
That's the yes. issue. That's the whole right. thing. Is she's like, I get, I deserve to have my needs met. I deserve to mm-hmm. come. I deserve mm-hmm. to like taint. <laughs> I deserve to have things for myself that are coming and painting. <laughs> and they're like, you can't go around being a full human that way. Basically, yeah, that's that's it. So after her death. Uh, her name became apocryphal. It became something that parents would say to their children, especially young women, when they had artistic ambitions. They would say, do you want to become another Nahai Suk? Ooh. So that's something that they would just like say to their kids. And okay. oh, like largely, a worse version of a starving artist? Basically, yeah. yeah. But like this specific one. Yeah. Uh-huh. They're like, do you want to like die and end in obscurity and have right. affairs? And that's even more so because it's like not so much the starving artist in the way that we talk about just art being successful in capitalism. That's more like the fear of being a woman who speaks up or writes about what she wants. That yeah. exactly. That was that's exactly ins- the fear. That's insane. Yeah. So largely due to her disgrace, her work was erased from history until decades after her death. So in 1974, a young journalist named Yi Kuyol rediscovered her writings in an archiving project. And he wrote a series of articles for her in a Korean women's magazine. And in 1978, uh, a novel about her life was published. And in the same year, a movie titled firebird about her life came out so there is sort of this resurgence 30 years after her death that is so glad they made a movie they did it's i mean it's all in korean but like i I mean i don't care exactly it's pretty cool um in 1995 another admirer of hers named yu dong jun who had grown up in na's hometown founded the na hai suk memorial foundation and began organizing events to educate the public about her life oh yeah in 2019 actually there was uh google did like you know how they do like the google like decorating yeah uh, yes. on, they did like a Nahai Suk like version for her nice. in 2019. Oh, that's great. It was super cute. Yeah. And then in 2000, um, largely due to the effects of the Memorial Foundation, sort of this resurgence about her, uh, the Seoul Art Center held a retrospective of her art displaying several paintings, photographs, and illustrations. But some of the paintings are difficult to authenticate because people sort of like stopped talking about her and stopped valuing her as a person. So her work stopped being valued in the way that people were keeping track of it. Um, Because it was essentially like if you invested in a Nahai Suk painting, it was not valuable after she lost her disgrace. No one wanted to buy her stuff anymore. Right. So this is a this quote I I think that this quote perfectly sums up sort of like her cultural impact and this is directly taken from the Medium article by Alex Suyong Lachlan it says and I quote in her lifetime not pushed beyond the boundaries of acceptable feminine behavior to model a life as a Korean woman that aligned with her beliefs and desires. Korea is still a deeply patriarchal society, though feminists continue organizing to evolve the culture towards equity. Her aspiration to, quote, bring buried talents to light, end quote, did not die when she did. It lives on in the artistic and political work of generations of Korean women who came after her. 
Aww. Yeah. Yay. It's Love it's you, crazy. Nah. If you've ever watched like a K drama, uh, peep, there is no like sex. Like people don't. I think sometimes people will kiss, but like a lot of times, like when it shows like the sex part of a K drama, people will just like hold hands, and then like some like weird fantastical thing will happen. But that's like as far <laughs> as it gets. It's like hand cartoon, and you're like, oh, I get it. <laughs> yeah, which is part of like the appeal of K dramas is that it's not like explicitly sexual, but it's also mm-hmm. like yeah. sex is still something you really don't talk about, even in modern South Korean society. Wow. Like you're not super open about it in the ways okay. that I think Nahai Suk was being all the time. So mm-hmm. it's pretty crazy that she did like, that. They still wouldn't be ready for ago. her. Yeah. They still wouldn't be ready for her. No, she's an insane person and honestly fucking baller. So Yeah, incredible. Yeah. So thanks to Dr. Hilmer for Thank you, Dr. Hilmer. Doing all this Thank research you so much. and like <laughs> it was super helpful. Um It was amazing. Yeah, the main sources today were of course the Medium article by Alex Su Young Lachlan called How How Nisuk Became a Threat to Sexist Korean Society. Um Gender Admission Encounters in Korea, which is a book by Hye Wal Che. Wikipedia, of course, and Dr. James Hilmer, who did a lot of like sort of the cultural context of what was happening in Korea at that time, because I had no idea. He's like, let me break it down for you. So super helpful. That's the episode, guys. Thank you so much, Andrea. That was amazing. Um, Thank you all for joining us for another fantastic episode of Avant Garde. If you liked listening to this episode, please come follow us uh, on Instagram and Twitter. And we have a fun Facebook page also that can be found at Avant Garde, P-O-D-V-A-N-T-G-A-R-D-E. And there's also a link to our Patreon in the information of this episode. Yeah, and we're doing once monthly Patreon exclusive art news updates and we talk we kind of briefly mentioned one of the things that we talk about, but the part of that episode is also free in your feed if you want to check it out. So when we talk about like abortion rights and all that stuff, it's all in there. So you can check that out. Oh, Katrina, where can people find you personally? I forgot about that part. <laughs> um, yeah, if you want to follow me as an individual, uh, I'm Katrina. I'm the one that thinks that um, old rich people look like Beavis from Beavis and Butthead. Um, <laughs> you can follow me at Katrina Savad, which is just Davis backwards. Um, Katrina with a K, S-I-V-A-D on all the stuff you follow people on. And you can buy her new comedy special, Figuring It Out. I have a new comedy special out. Um, I have a thing on Comedy Central. I just did the second set of my performance art show called The Comic is Present this past weekend. Yeah. Hit me up. I'm I'm, I'm doing stuff sometimes. Karina? (laughs) Karina. Oh, my God. (laughs) Katrina. Stop calling her Korean. (laughs) It's Korea. Karina. Katrina. Look, I don't know your name. It's some type of country. Um, Look, I do a podcast with this Katrina doll. She seems okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Katrina is just basically out here just crushing it quietly. Uh, It's pretty dope to see. I'm a huge fan. And so is Dr. James Hilmer. And he's a fucking doctor. So you guys should take it seriously. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> if you guys like me and the things that I say, you can hear more of my opinions on Instagram at Andrea Gazetta. I have art for sale at andreagazetta.com. I have my own Patreon, patreon.com slash Andrea Gazetta. And it's just like a sticker club, basically. And you can get cool art. I also released a book. It's called Stratosphere, and it's all the yeah. art from my solo show. You can get it now until September 1st, and after that, you can't get it. So <gasps> buy it now or not at all. Um, that's at AndreaZetta.com. It is. beautiful. It's because I have to, like, print it all at once, and if I print too many and I don't sell them, then I feel bad. So mm-hmm. it's just I'm only printing as many as you buy. Mm-hmm. It's only $30. It's super affordable. So go to AndreaGazetta.com and get it or don't. It's fine. I won't be mad. I won't know. Perfect. And Andrea also has uh, her commission account, Prism Pet Portraits, that I have been sending Aww. the link to everyone who messages me about pet portraits on my art account, uh, which you can you get Andrea's. Oh, you can get Andrea's Instagram account through me at the Goonie Bird Craft. <laughs> <laughs> All you have to do is ask me if I do pet portraits. Um, and if you want to commission a portrait of yourself. If you want to commission a portrait of yourself with, and I quote, all the eyes you can definitely get that from jordan <laughs> here's the thing i know that we're long but that is a hundred percent wanted i what i wanted to bring up so thank you so much <laughs> and if you want to see my face and sometimes keith's face and then also i don't know i really only post on my birthday like you can see my last three birthdays on the same six photos at the, the top of my grid. like instagram yeah it's it crazy uh but that is the goonie bird um i'm gonna try to get i have some friends that speak spanish um if you speak spanish fluently and you want to do some research hit me up uh yeah i want to do more stuff like this i think it's really important to not just focus on western art history all the time and be able to kind of access other cultures and like access the things that are important in that culture so yeah, I want to do more of that, and I yeah. would love to do more. And as someone who doesn't know much about any of the hemispheres <laughs> or their cultures in terms of how in-depth we go on this podcast, I love just seeing, even when it's bad stuff, there's something comforting about being like, they were fucking fucking with the same shit too. Like, yeah. there's something, yeah. I don't know what it is that, it's like it makes you feel better somehow. I don't know. You know, know what it just is? Like the, the it's human connection. Condition. Yeah. yeah, it's we're not alone in this big mm-hmm. crazy ball of madness yeah. and things yeah. are going to be okay because every end of the world has not been the end of the world. Like that's really Yeah. Jordan, yeah. here's the thing, you need to come to more of my shows because I'm working on something about this and people are not on board. <laughs> <laughs> but I love you both. Thank you. Oh, I so love much. you too. We love all of you. Thank you for listening. I'm waving with my camera off. Bye. We say the longest goodbyes. We should just have, like, we should just slowly start to fade out and just have, like, goodbye music as we continue to just tell each other how much we love each other. No, it absolutely should be, like, the fucking... Hey, guys. Andrea here. Um... 
I'm asking for your help a little bit today because Jordan, Katrina, and I are all comedians and artists who don't have any experience editing sound. And because this is a sound-based medium, we have asked an editor to help us with our episodes. Um, we had a few issues early on with some of the early recordings, and we're working on getting those sorted out. Um, and part of that is just having an audio engineer. So in order to be able to actually pay him and pay him a fair rate, uh, we're asking for your help. We've set up a Patreon, patreon.com slash And our goal is that we can pay him not from our own pockets, but from the resources of the show itself, which means we need your help. Um, we're also planning on starting to release bonus episodes. We'll start with one a month. Um, and as that Patreon rate increases, we'd like to eventually expand that to a bonus episode every week. And the bonus episodes will be more, um, a little bit more loose fit. We'll be covering art, uh, like current events and weird things that happen because there's a lot of like weird stuff going on in the art world right now, um, especially around NFTs, especially around AI. And I think it's really interesting and worth talking about, but we just need to be able to pay someone to edit that bonus content. Um, I would also say that in terms of the time cost, you know, Katrina, Jordan, and I all are supporting ourselves outside of this show. This show takes a lot of time. I'm probably spending at least three days a week with every episode just researching. We're buying books. Um, Katrina's editing the time codes. She's building our website. She's doing all our social media. Jordan is also researching her own episodes. And my goal for the Patreon is is just that it can become something that, you know, we're not looking to get rich. I don't think that's ever been our goal. I don't think we ever think that could be our goal. But what I'd like to be able to happen eventually is that the Patreon can become a way for us to just pay ourselves a living wage for the time that we invest into this show. My experience uh, with Cult Podcast um, is that it's really hard to make a show every single week and not have other financial resources. So what I want is that this Patreon can eventually become a financial resource for us. It can help us support ourselves and it can help us to continue putting the show out so that we don't get burnt out and want to pull our hair out. Um, we love you so much and we think that the show is really important. I personally think that we need more podcasts that cover history and art history from a feminist, anti-colonial queer perspective and that's where we're coming from as artists and as art historians and comedians we love you we love this show thank you so much for supporting it that's again at patreon.com slash and thanks guys <laughs>